Hello, and welcome to this, our second episode of Diggin' with Peter. I'm your host, Peter, and I'm going through my music collection one album at a time, randomly, one short episode at a time. In this episode, Dre and I are going through Miles Davis, Volume 3, a jazz classic. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome once again to Digging with Peter. And once again, I've got my dear friend Dre with me. And Thanks for having me back. Hopefully, our audio quality is significantly better than it was last time when we were both trying to use our cell phones. This week, we've got Miles Davis, Volume 3, as chosen by my voice assistant. What's her name? You know, I never actually gave her a name. She needs a name. She needs a name. What what name? What name should it be? It, as long as it r- rhymes with Google. I gave up. Julie. <laughs> Julie does <laughs> does does not rhyme with Google. I'm well, sorry. Ooh, it's in there. I'll think okay. about it. All right, you think about that for later. All right. So once again, we've got Miles Davis, Volume Three. This was released in 1954. It was. Uh, one of the last recordings that uh, Miles did for Blue Note Records, and one of the first he did after getting clean off of heroin. He's got some baggage coming into this one. But uh, before we get any any further, you got uh, you got just like a couple words on what you thought about this. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I was excited to listen to it because I've done a little bit of listening to jazz, and Miles has been in my playlist before. None of these songs, though. Mm-hmm. So this was all new for me, and yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, see, I've I've listened to a lot of Miles Davis, but I've never really paid much attention to like the order it's in, or you know what phase he's in or era. You know, I've got a number of his recordings from like the '80s, and yeah. those those are certainly a much different sound than the stuff from like the like the '60s right. or the '50s. But yeah, it's it's a lot different. I just never really paid attention to what came where. That would be interesting to do. It's a start at the beginning and work your way through and just, ooh, it's like a whole study. Yeah, so so after I after I picked this up and I listened to it the first time, I was like, so I looked up on, on Wikipedia and I looked up the order. Everything kind of comes in on Discogs. And I was like, okay, I can see changes here. And then I was doing more research. It was like, okay, this is like the, this looks like it's like the first album or at least the first recording session he did where he was specifically moving away from his earlier styles, like away from the hard bop and away from more of the jazz standards. And uh, it it really kind of shows. And then also you add in the whole, hey, I just got off heroin. And you start, because you listen to the first couple tracks on this and you're like, this is kind of messy sounding. Not in a bad way, just like like there's stuff going on here yeah it's more dramatic Mm -hmm. it's like you you know you're not getting like a a real clean sound it was it was it's fun to listen to and there's only really one track on there that you could call a standard at that time that was uh it never entered my mind which was like an old you know broadway show tune which a lot of jazz standards are really just Broadway show tunes just just redone. It reminded me of watching a play. 
as I was listening to it. Like each one made me think of something like that, but one was performances or something. Like I'm just gonna go down the list. Like I started with Take Off here, and I was like, okay, that moves really good. It's like it's just grooving. It's just like yeah, the, the bass just for me. Mm -hmm. Lazy Susan is just like really chill. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. Is it kind of what you had written down too? When I was thinking it reminded me of a woman just sitting around in her chair, like the, the name of the song. I could feel that as I listened to it. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. this makes sense. Right. And then you get to like the leap and the, what I, I had, I had written down here, it says frantic, like he's searching for something. That was a song that I kept missing. I'd listened to it a few times to catch it. And I'm like, okay, I feel like we're like running right now. And I guess that's when I would be busy. Cause I'm just feeling the music as I go through. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I, I played this like the first time, the first time after we chose this, I played it through trying to pay attention, like just sit down and listen like one time. And then I played it like through another two or three times, just like on in the background with whatever I was doing. And then one last time I was like, okay, sit down, focus, Peter, pay attention. Yeah, damn it. The other way around. My first listens are just background noise because that's where I kind of get to feel it. And mm -hmm. then I'll sit down and pay attention. Right. And this and one was, it. yeah. And this one was really easy to just sit down and just not necessarily just listen to straight through, but just to put on because it's like only a half hour. Yeah. I noticed that because I mentioned that we were listening to him. And, uh, one of my friends was like, oh, his albums are like an hour long. His songs are so long. I'm like, not this time. No, because this one was actually originally released as a 10-inch LP, not even a full 12-inch. So, yeah, uh, also interesting here is, like, every single, you know, the, the three other guys he's got recording with him, uh, he's got Horace Silver on the piano and Percy Heath on the bass and Art Blakey on the drums. All three of those are fantastic musicians first, and they are all band leaders themselves. So these are not, like, nobodies. These are not just supporting guys. These are guys who Percy Heath wasn't always front and center but for the most part all of them could carry an entire group an entire album all by themselves thanks for opening up the rabbit hole now i have something else to look up all right good uh besides the uh the it never entered my mind there's only one other track on here uh that wasn't written by miles himself and that was uh, well you needn't which is a, a thelonious monk tune that was one of my favorites well you needn't that was good. Say, it felt like he was talking to me and like I feel a conversation happening. Mm -hmm. I just really enjoy listening to that. Like I would just sit and tap my foot. See, and for me, it was, it never entered my mind. That was my, my highlight off this because it didn't feel like he was in conversation with somebody else. It was like, he was talking to himself. It was very self-reflective in, uh, in style, but it sounds like you really enjoyed it. Oh, yes, absolutely. All right. And this, and it sounds like it's also giving you places to step off and look for other stuff. Yeah, because I had been kind of dipping back into jazz a bit lately, but I had it going back into some of the older stuff. Mm-hmm. with mostly new things. I mean, there are a lot of good contemporary jazz musicians out yeah. there. What are you hearing right now? Um, I started off with Esperanza Spalding and then I oh, let I love her, love her. Oh, yes. She takes me to a happy place. Mm -hmm. And she's not afraid to do some weird, some wild shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> some were thinking like, oh, what am I listening to tonight? Is there anything on here that you didn't care for? 
No, I loved it all. It's like I had my favorites and then the ones that jumped out, like my top two, like I said, well, you need it. And then Weirdo was my other one. Because mm-hmm. that one reminded me of a really dramatic, charismatic man talking about whatever he's talking about. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah, I the I had one word written down for Weirdo and that was smooth. That's probably where I got charismatic from. Right, because it is, it is like particularly that piano line that just kind of takes over most of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that. I mentioned that's uh, that's Horace Silver on piano. I've got a, a a decent number of his album, his solo stuff too. So I'm oh. sure at some point we're probably going to hear some of that. That'd be fun. He's a he's a character. This was very very early in his career. Also, I think he's still going. I gotta look him up. Also, please everybody listening, remember I'm not an expert. I am going to get shit wrong. So. So yeah, if I get stuff wrong, don't like write me and tell me that I'm stupid because frankly, I already know that. Stop. Stop it. Let's give this a rating here. 10 point scale, one to 10. Oh, don't make, don't overthink it. Just give it something. I'm going to give it a seven because I would buy it. Mm-hmm. I would listen to it. Mm-hmm. Would I rant and rave about it? No, but it would, it would come up in my, it would be in my Eminem house want to hear some music shuffle it would end up there okay i think i'd give this one an eight with the caveat that i'd really probably just want to that i really just want to listen to it as a whole set not that i'm going to turn it off if it just happens to come one of those tracks happens to come up on shuffle but i'd rather hear the whole thing because it really uh, to me it works best as a set and it does flow really well mm-hmm. absolutely like it has any stop and go it just it just goes all right. So are we ready to uh, find out what we got to listen to next time? Sure. Hey, Google, give me a number between 1 and 2050. 984. 984. Uh, an album by progressive rock band, longtime progressive rock band, Marillion, called Fuck Everyone and Run. On the cover, you really just see the initials, so it looks like fear. All right. Well, we will find out how we like it. I am curious. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will talk to you next time. Later. And that's our show for this time. Thanks, Dre, again, for joining me. Until next time... Be good to your albums. They've been good to you.